Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello there ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me your host Dan the Viking. I wanted to start this show off with a thank you to our new members Daniel and Joshua. Welcome to Patreon, I hope you are enjoying it, enjoying the fact that you get these episodes just a little bit earlier and you don't have to deal with those irritating adverts. So for those of you who are interested uh, or who think that you might be time to give it a go, uh, get yourselves over to Patreon, $5 per month, and you get access to all of these shows just a little bit earlier than everybody else. Um, in fact, on some occasions, you actually get them a couple of weeks early, so that's always good to know. This episode this week, guys, um, this has actually been requested a few times Um by a couple of uh, a couple of people in the past, but more recently by uh, our member Gary. Uh, so thank you, Gary, for mentioning this one. It is an episode that uh, I've done a little bit of research into in the past because, like I said, it has been mentioned, and uh, it's actually an Australian episode this week. So yeah, we haven't done much on Australian history, um, and that is because I'm not Australian and. It's not as well known, you know, a lot of Australian history does sort of disappear into the pages of of obscurity. So, we are actually covering one of the, I would say one of the last cavalry charges um, in modern history. We are, of course, talking about the Halloween Day Charge uh, on the 31st of October 1917, the Battle of Beersheba. So... The Battle of Bathsheba, I'm going to give you just a little bit of a a background to it. Now, Bathsheba is in current day Israel. Um, It is a town that the Allies needed to take. Okay, so the Ottoman Empire in the First World War had control of uh, Palestine. And the British and the Australians needed control of that area. The only way to get control of that area was to take out Bathsheba. Bathsheba was the midway point between the uh, Gaza and the uh, Israeli bank that they needed, the West Bank. So, 
the British had had an offensive on Gaza, a massive offensive, and one of the generals actually um, made like a fake retreat to get hold of uh, to give fake information to the Ottomans. Um, essentially, he dropped a bag covered in horse blood that had plans um, of a British assault on Gaza. This also said in the plans that a an attack on Beersheba would be pretty stupid. It's in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's the only area in that um, you know in that area of the desert that has water. It's very easy for them to defend. An attack on Beersheba is not a good idea. So the Ottomans automatically took this and put all their resources into the Gaza Strip. Um, this was obviously a decoy by the British and meant that the Australian cavalry and the British cavalry could attack Beersheba with a little bit less resistance than what they would have normally faced. Um, things like anti-cavalry trenches, um, ditches and things like that that would have been dug in beforehand were not in place. Um, so that's how it started and on the 31st of October um, as daylight faded across the Negev desert the Australian light horse division secured the town of Bathsheba um, bringing to close a crucial battle in the in Palestine and that campaign of World War I. Um, the battle of Bathsheba was a pivot upon which turned the allied forces efforts against the Ottomans and the German empires in the Middle Eastern theatre. Um, it was very, very important, and there was no real way of losing that battle. If we, we were to lose that battle, the um, the Middle East uh, would have been lost, essentially. Now, we'd failed twice to take Gaza, and Bathsheba bordered the southern part of Palestine. And it was, like I said, it was extremely essential to take that area. Now, I'll give you a little bit of a perspective here. Like I said in, in the last bit, we're, we're talking about a desert. So, it's very easy on a desert, a flat land, to defend an area. You can see all around the town, it's very, very easy for the enemy to know that we're coming, and very easy for them to defend. Now, again, the plan was to take Bathsheba. They tried a few times to take the, the town and failed. And bearing in mind the British and Australian lines outnumbered the Ottomans, they outnumbered them with guns, they outnumbered them with artillery, they outnumbered them with horses and men. Where they didn't outnumber them was the air superiority there was no air support for the British and the Ottomans had German air support now be it only small aircraft available to the Germans uh, sorry to the Ottomans from Germany they still had the ability to fly over and drop grenades and bombs from the sky onto the chasing um, the chasing artillery uh, artillery cavalry sorry it was very heavily fortified, the town of Bathsheba. There were lines of artillery, followed by sandbags and trenched-in men with lines of machine gun fire and rifles. So, the element of surprise doesn't exist. The, they can be spotted from three, 4,000 yards away. 
very very easy for the Ottomans to get into position to load the artillery and start firing now they started firing at roughly two and a half thousand yards and did considerable damage the British knew this was a bad idea the British commander actually said I'm not for this this is not a good idea we don't want to to send men to their deaths essentially um, however the Australian light cavalry um, their commander was adamant that the Australian cavalry was good enough to take that town so there was a bit of a conflict there and on the 31st of October it was the scene of a charge by the Australian 4th Light Horse Brigade. Now this started at dusk and the brigade stormed the town using bayonets and swords. So again, you're running into gunfire with a bayonet and a sword. The surprise attack took the Turkish you know took their defenses completely out they they weren't expecting a cavalry charge they were expecting some sort of an attack um but they weren't expecting a cavalry charge so it did take them completely by surprise and the the ottomans started firing like i said at roughly two and a half thousand feet and they were firing artillery into the australian lines now as i'm sure you can imagine artillery fire into a charging horse one the horse hasn't got very much chance but two you do need to be extremely accurate these horses weren't in a conventional straight they were in a straight line but they weren't two abreast or one abreast they were spread across the distance meaning that essentially artillery fire was not not massively useful at roughly 1600 yards the artillery fire was useless. Now, although they had obviously taken out a handful of men, they'd not taken out enough and they were still charging. The Australian cavalry was then within machine gun range. Now, again, you would think charging horses into machine gun fire is not a good idea. Essentially, you can start at one end, move your machine gun all the way across and take out every single horse on the journey. Obviously, in this instance, that didn't happen. Now, the rifles that were used were set to a 1,600-yard range and a lot of men fell, a lot of horses fell in that, that wave. However, the charge carried on. Now, it's said that the Ottomans were so shocked that they didn't take out as many men as they thought they would, they forgot to rearrange their sights. A lot of them forgot to change their sights down and essentially were carrying on shooting at a 1,600-yard range when they were getting closer and closer and closer, therefore missing quite a lot of, a lot of men. Now, it's... Um, it's very important to re to realize that in this particular instance the fact that they didn't change their sights probably helped in a massive way um the charge of Bathsheba like i said um it was the third battle of Gaza okay so we tried twice before and it was only the third time it was successful 
It was a vital component of the Allied Forces campaign, and the commander of the Allied Forces turned to their focus onto Bathsheba, um, although the majority of Turkish forces at the time were stationed in Gaza. Um, around a thousand Turkish riflemen were still stationed in Bathsheba, and it had strong defensive positions and reported uh, supported by nine machine guns and two aircraft. Now that doesn't sound like a lot of aircraft, but the British had none. There were no aircraft on our side. Uh, to maintain the element of surprise, the forty thousand strong Desert Mounted Corps made a dusty forty-three kilometer trek towards Bathsheba under the cover of darkness on the 30th of October. They attacked at... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dawn the following day with an offensive at Sakati to close the road and halt the Turkish reinforcements. The troops then progressed to Tel al-Sabah, three kilometers east of Bathsheba, but were met with fierce resistance from the Turkish forces. The Desert Mounted Corps, Corps captured Tel al Sabah by mid-afternoon, um, however this left few hours of daylight for the assault on Bathsheba. And remember they've taken away the reinforcements, so there's no way of getting a message to Bathsheba that this is coming. They've already taken that line out. They had to take the town before nightfall, um, and mainly because the wells in the town were the only source of water available in the entire region for troops and horses and the troops and horses had not been resupplied in several days some of these horses hadn't drunk any water for 24 to 48 hours and another couple of days or another day they weren't going to go much further lieutenant general sir henry harry chauvel put the challenge to Brigadier General William Grant's 4th Australian Light Horse Brigade and the traditional strategy for Light Horse to dismount and attack with rifles from a distance would leave the men vulnerable to shrapnel fire on the open plains surrounding Bathsheba. And this is where General Grant came up with the idea that they would take a different approach. And this was the approach that... uh, Henry Chauvel was a little bit against and this was that he said that they would attack like a cavalry unit with bayonets and sabres in hand. The charge would commence around 5pm and it caught the Turkish gunners off guard. They had little time to recalibrate their weapons for, for, for close range battle and could largely only fire shrapnel over the charging horsemen's heads. While the 4th Regiment dismounted at the trenches to confront the enemy... Um, ultimately taking over 700 prisoners, the 12th Regiment further suppressed the Turks by continuing their ferocious charge over the trenches and straight onto the town. This meant that they captured the town before the Turkish forces could regroup or destroy the walls in retreat. This meant that the cavalry charge was completely unconventional, completely out of the realms of possibility, and when the first cavalrymen reached the trenches 
they dismounted and attacked the men in the trenches, meaning that the second wave of horses could jump clear over the trenches without the threats of being attacked by a bayonet. If you're entrenched in a position and a horse jumps over you, you only have to thrust the bayonet upwards. That man's off the horse, that horse is dead. The man's on the floor, it's very easy kill. So what they did was they dismounted just before the trench, jumped into the trench and left the the, the gap clear for the remaining horses to jump the trench and go straight into the town. It was an unconventional approach, but it was a success. The town and its wells were secured, providing the 60,000 Allied troops with access to the region's only dependable source of water. Now, like I said, there was a lot of horsemen, but believe it or not, only 31 men from the light horse lost their lives and only 36 additional were wounded. 70 horses died in the charge, which is understandable when we're talking about a a cavalry charge. Horses are a bigger target than men. And the occupation of Bathsheba was the beginning of the end of the Turkish defensive line. And the Allied forces were soon able to outflank the, the forces in Gaza and the Turkish resistance in the city collapsed within a week. Now, many of the light horse men involved in the Battle of Bathsheba had already proven themselves in other battles, um, although without horses, many of the men actually fought at Gallipoli, which was a a great battle in the First World War. And only two of the fourth light horses, three regiments, from the the fourth from Victoria and the twelfth from New South Wales, would charge the Turkish position. The 11th Regiment, on detached duty at the time, was ordered to saddle up and follow into Bathsheba when ready. The 11th Regiment was largely formed in Queensland with one squadron coming from South Australia. Queenslander trooper Thomas O'Reilly of the 4th Light Horse Regiment raced ahead of his unit into Bathsheba to capture 30 Ottoman Turkish soldiers single-handedly and then assisted in the capture of a field gun, or a machine gun. He was awarded the military medal for these actions. Around 800 men and horses made up the 4th Australian Light Horse Brigade, and over 1,000 Turkish were taken prisoners. Now, the British lost 171 troops um, in earlier action in the attempt to take Bathsheba, so when the British had tried, they took they, they lost 171 men and failed. When the Australians tried, they took 1,000 prisoners, lost 31 men, and they succeeded. They took the town. The Ottoman casualties were believed to be over 1,000 men killed or wounded, um, and it was extremely important in the change of the battle. The success of the charge allowed, like I said, around 60,000 troops access to water and in the middle of the desert water is extremely important Um, by 10 p.m on the 31st of october approximately 58,000 light horsemen and 100,000 animals um, swarmed into Bathsheba and took 1.8 million liters of water to, to to basically to feed everybody it was a huge turning point and like I said, it was it was massive for for the British Army at the time. Or I say British; it was the Australians that did it. Um, 
it's uh, important to note that in this battle, the mounted troops um, were mainly from Australia. There was a, a regiment from New Zealand. There was a couple of British regiments as well that stormed the lines. And there was also the British Light Camel Corps. So I'm assuming, <laughs> although I'd, it's, there's no evidence to suggest so, um, I am assuming that the camels went in after the horses, just purely on the basis that they don't move as fast. But this was um, a fascinating little story, and like I said, there's not not much detail to it, um, other than the fact that the Australians came up with a completely mad plan that the British sort of went, yeah, I mean, you can do it, but I don't think it's going to work. And the Australians proved us wrong. It worked. And, and if it wasn't for that battle, it's potentially 60,000 British troops or British and Australian troops would have lost their lives because it was the only source of water for the for the Allies at that point. Um, we don't, like I said, we don't do a huge amount of Australian history on this podcast. Um, and I'm not, like I said, I don't know a huge amount about it. You know, Australian history is something we don't learn in this country. We don't know much about about what goes on over there. The only person I really know from Australian history is Ned Kelly, and that's a, a serial killer. So, it's um, if you have got any Australian-based stories, or even New Zealand, or any stories from countries that we haven't covered, something like this, let us know because I do quite enjoy learning things from different areas around the world you know majority of our podcast is based on british history or american history and and my dad throws in a little bit of german as well to go with that but um most of our history is is centered around britain so it'd be nice to to throw in a little bit from places around the world and to think that this was essentially the last successful cavalry charge in in history and it was just over a hundred years ago you know it wasn't wasn't a long time ago and i can't imagine being on horseback i mean the, the feeling of these men knowing that Bathsheba had been attacked twice before by british soldiers failed many men lost their lives and to then be told mount up get on your horse draw your sword we're going in um knowing that you're running in to machine gun fire you're running into artillery fire they've got air support they can see that you're coming as well you know it's an open plain it's a field it's a, it's a desert but it's it's flat it's a flat desert um the the fear of these guys knowing that a lot of them potentially weren't going to come back is is amazing that they actually mounted their horses and and just went yeah all right we'll go for it and had they not like i said 60,000 british troops were without water so yeah it was a a very very impressive charge and one that was completely out of the realms of possibility and i think the fact that the Australians had the balls to do it is what took the Ottomans by complete surprise they had absolutely no idea that they were charging horses into into battle and I think as well um, 
sorry, that was my my phone. Um, I think it's crazy to think the Ottomans must completely have seen these horses coming and going, are they stupid? Are they really running in with, you know, these huge targets that we can just pop off one by one? But they didn't, and they lost the battle. So, yeah, fantastic story. Thank you very much for that, Ian. I, I enjoyed looking into that one. So, um, yeah, thank you very much. And I, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And like I said, get in touch. Get us a new episode. Let me know where you're from as well. Get on the Facebook group. Let me know where you're from and say, I want you to do uh, a bit of history from South Africa or France or New Zealand or wherever you're from. But maybe not France, actually. We don't we don't really like the French, so uh, maybe not France. But <laughs> I'm only joking. But, yeah, let me know. Let me know where you're from. Let us do uh, a little bit of history for you, for you guys as well. Because this show is as much for you as it is for me. So thank you for listening, guys. And we shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.